Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Friday, January 12th, six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We begin the show with a weather alert. Bundle up. We're in for some bitter cold this weekend as an Arctic blast is headed our way. National Weather Service of Indianapolis predicts that temperatures are going to drop below freezing tonight and stay there for the next week. Monday is forecasted to be the coldest day with an expected low of minus two. Currently, flights from Indy to Chicago have been paused. Okay, so I I think we may have made an egregious mistake here, Casey. Uh Uh-oh. Because technically, the 15th for us is a company holiday, Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King Day. Right. And as such, I think... We should have taken the day off. (laughs) Well, if we'd asked, they would have given it to us. However, they allow us here, they're very kind, they allow us to bank the holidays, and we can use them at later times. Well, I was just off a whole bunch, so I thought I don't need to be off again. But now that I know the condition in which I may be forced to drive into work, I am beginning to possibly regret... Your decision? Not celebrating the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday on actual Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. I wonder if it will affect any events because a Martin Luther King holiday is supposed to be about service. So you're supposed to be out doing things for others on that day. why I felt compelled to come to work. Yeah. I mean, who serves others more than me on this radio show, Mm -hmm. Casey? It is really, in many ways, one of the greatest acts of service imaginable, (laughs) and that's why I couldn't imagine taking the day off. So we're in store for 24 to 36 hours of 35 to 60 mile per hour gusts of wind. We're expected to possibly experience some power outages, some wind damage, and AES has already emailed me. <laughs> They've said uh, it's a good idea to gas up your generators, charge all of your electronics, have someplace warm to go if your power goes out, have an emergency plan if you have special medical needs and make sure you have your medications to last you through the weekend if that's an issue for you. But uh, they say that they will update all of their customers online and via social media. Um. I, they did, however, Matt Hiblin, our uh, our boss, did allow me to take one of those little boxes mm-hmm. home with me. Yeah. So if the weather gets too severe, I could still do the radio show even if I couldn't make it into work. It's interesting how you're saying nobody gives more and provides a better service than you, yet your entire hot take on this conversation has been about how this weather is affecting you. Well, <laughs> Casey, some people, some people might think I'm a little self-absorbed, but you know deep down I'm really here for others. Uh-huh. So just make sure that you're prepared for this weather as it is headed is, our way. Isn't it wild how so throughout this entire winter thus far, it's been really an incredibly nice winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been some rainy days. There's been some brief amounts of snow, but nothing thus far that we kind of associate with a traditional Indiana winter. And it is though the Lord has said, hope you enjoyed it while it lasted, <laughs> because get ready, Val. The break is over. <laughs> We've got some uh, cold weather headed our way. And with this rain, you know, a lot of it is going to turn into ice and even black ice. So definitely be prepared, be aware and be careful and 
uh, if we do lose power in different areas, just know that those linemen are out there doing a dangerous job themselves to get things back up and running for us. It is 10 minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and uh, Jill Biden speaks and boy, is it ridiculous. Yeah, she was pressed on concerns over President Biden's age, his health. And this happened with an interview with uh, Mika Brzezinski from MSNBC. And shall we let the ridiculous begin? Oh, so no setup whatsoever. Just hit sock it to me, Mm -hmm. as they used to say on the famed TV show. Sock it to me, baby. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here she is talking about how your president is an asset. I see that strength and that resilience and that steadiness every single day day and he's unflappable and when I look at the man you know his integrity his character has not changed and he's unwavering he's unflappable Mm -hmm. isn't it amazing these people and I'm talking about people in the political sphere their ability to look anyone and everyone in the eye and lie about the obvious Everybody knows, uh, I mean, everybody knows what's going on with Joe Biden. Everybody knows what a deteriorating human being he he has become, both mentally and physically, and in his actions and deeds alike. And yet she is willing to look the entire world in the eye and lie. Mm -hmm. Well, the one thing that she's true on is that he hasn't changed. That's right. He's been corrupt his entire life. They've been married for 46 years. And so there's a Monmouth University poll that was released in October that said 76% of voters agree that he's too old to serve another term. And he'll be 86 at the end of that term. There's also uh, 48% who said Donald Trump was too old. So think about that. They're similar in age, but 76% of people think Joe Biden is too old and only 48% think Donald Trump is too old. You, I think, have the most logical solution to this endgame. And uh, you're both brilliant and beautiful and deserve all sorts of credit for coming up with this of your own volition. And that is that there's no way they can let him run and the cleanest way to not allow him to run yet ensure an undesirable a la Bernie Sanders is not the pick is to have something magically happen or him to come to some epiphany right before the Democrat convention. Mm -hmm. And then one, they can pick whatever insider they want. And two, it gives the Republicans a lot less time to respond, opposition research, et cetera. I think everybody kind of looks and thinks Michelle Obama's the logical pick there if she indeed would want to do it. There's no way they can let this guy run back out there again, is there? Well, according to his wife, he is uh, full of vigor, and he's, <laughs> he's not a weak old man. Listen to this. Your husband is 81. At the end of a second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I see his passion. She sees him traveling 
to go on vacation. Yes. That's what she sees. There was another poll done from the New York Times and Siena College, and it said 71% of people believe he's too old to be an effective president. And among his own supporters, 54% said that he's too old. Okay, so Biden is president 46, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I'm trying to think of how many pre- Yeah, 46, because yeah. Trump was 45. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been one person be president twice. Like, hey, I was president and then not president, president again. So that means there have been four. You, you are 81 years old. You have clearly are losing both your mental and physical faculties. You have trouble keeping it together for short periods of time in public. And yet, instead of just looking at it and going, wow, despite all the dirty, corrupt things I did, I've never been held to account. And I've been blessed to be one of 45 people who have held this incredible honor and distinction and position. Instead of just cashing your chips and saying, what a life. Now let me go sit on a rocking chair and and right off in the sunset. And there'll be a portrait of me Mm -hmm. in the White House and I'll always be remembered Mm -hmm. as a president. It's not enough. No. I mean, the guy's going to push his luck Mm -hmm. and he's going to run again. And there's no way, if you're Joe Biden, you're running for the betterment of the country at this point. You're running for you. Yeah, absolutely. And she goes on to say that you don't understand, Rob. (laughs) You just don't get it. You know what you don't see? Oh, what? You don't see how hard he works every day. And I think what people don't see is how hard Joe works Mm -hmm. every single day. That he gets up thinking what he can do for the American people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's right. We don't see it. But you know what we do see? We see him on the beach. We see him taking vacations. We haven't seen him go to Ohio, though. We we haven't seen yeah. that, although he said he was going to do that. So they change directions, and they get off of Joe Biden's age. And Mika starts asking how Jill Biden feels when people are saying, let's go Brandon, and calling them the Biden crime family. And here is her answer to that. It hurts her feelings. What do you think when you hear Trump Republicans calling it the Biden crime family? Or uh, <laughs> I have one congresswoman, the Biden crime family sold out America, Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's a liar. He's mentally incompetent. Um, and let's not even talk about what let's go Brandon means, mm-hmm. but you have U.S. senators <laughs> holding signs that say that. Biden it's hard to realize our country, isn't it? I mean, to look at it, what we used to have and um, what... The other side, the extremists, have turned this country into. I mean, we would never see things like that, say, 10 years ago. You mean before he was president? Yeah, I mean, you've got to love the fact, and I, it's kind of playing out with this Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel thing right now, where these people who are vile and vicious and awful and bring the heat 24-7 and say horrific, awful things about one side, then get hyper-offended when somebody says it about the other side. Look, Joe Biden and the Democrats are nasty, awful, terrible people. They're in the political realm. The Republicans, many of them are nasty, awful, terrible people. That's the way this works. That's the way this has always worked. There have been smear campaigns and things, horrible things, some true, some not, said about uh, candidates 
for public office really since the inception of the country, probably after George Washington and in every presidential campaign since then. So 200 and whatever that's been, 30 years now, people have been saying untrue things about people running for public office. Well, wasn't it Joe Biden who just last Friday stood in front of everybody and was saying that the biggest threat to democracy was white supremacy? I mean, his entire speech was divisive. One last clip that I want to play for you. And this is uh, her addressing what's going on with Hunter. And you know what? We're being so mean to Hunter. How have you been coping personally uh, with the onslaught of accusations against your husband and your family, including and especially Hunter? It's the focus of a House Oversight Committee hearing, holding him in contempt, obsessing yes. over him, showing picture of, of him during vulnerable moments Horrible. in his battle with addiction on the floor of the House. <laughs> this would crush any family. Mika, I, I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. You know, I'm, I love my son, and it's, had, it's hurt my grandchildren. And that's what I'm so concerned about, that it's affecting their lives as well. She is completely playing the victim here. Mm-hmm, Lady, Hunter brought this on himself, <laughs> and she said that this is affecting even her grandchildren. Is it affecting all of them? All of the grandchildren? Yeah, good point. Yeah, the one that he doesn't claim. Hey, what's up next? We're going to talk about what's going on with Rand Paul. He made an announcement, and it's very curious. That's on the way from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Twenty-three minutes after nine, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. So, what is going on with Rand Paul? I know he's one of your favorites. Oh, you like this guy. Yeah, yeah. One of what about three there that I care for? Mm-hmm. Well, last night he put out a message, and it was quite the tease. Listen to this. Hey, everybody. As you know, I've been pretty quiet about the presidential race, which is kind of unusual for me. But tune in tomorrow morning, and I've got something very important to say on the presidential race. Tune in. Okay, so we did. We tuned in. And what is Rand Paul's big announcement? I thought, okay, he's going to endorse somebody, or gosh, could this even possibly be a third ticket announcement? Sure. But that's not it. Oh. I was closer with the endorsement. However, it's more of a non-endorsement. Oh, how exciting. He's said some positive things about Donald Trump. He likes Ron DeSantis. He even has been supportive of Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. But the one thing or person he does not support or like... (laughs) Yep, <laughs> Nikki Haley. So that was his announcement. He says, as I uh, look over the field, I don't think I yet have a first choice, but I do know one thing. Count me in as a never Nikki. Uh, and this is why I love the uh, Rand Paul. I love the Paul family. That is the very sort of thing. 
he's like a nicer version of me. <laughs> and so he, he does a lot of things that I say, I would absolutely do that. That is the way to make your endorsement. I am endorsing not voting for this person. Right. That way, it's really brilliant, Casey. You don't own the baggage of anybody else, but you tell everybody, I warned you about this person. This person I don't like. He went on to say, I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. And he's pretty much blasting her for her overseas actions and policies. He's been very critical of her, especially about her wanting to require people to verify their identities to use social media platforms. Isn't it interesting, and we can kind of extrapolate this down to our state with the governor's race, where you look at these candidates and for so many of them, you question, why are you doing this? Like, what is this? actually about and i'm not sure any of them really have a great answer for that or an answer that you say i think you're really going to think about me every second that you're you're in there and i don't mean me as in rob kendall or casey daniels i just mean me as in regular Mm -hmm. people because like if you look at the governor's candidates there's not one of them who has a plan that you say boy that's really going to help regular people. The two most obvious things that are hurting regular people in our state right now are property taxes and gas taxes. And not one of them, not one of the five has a plan to address one of those two things. Same thing kind of going on with the president. I guess maybe the closest one is, but it's not even close. Like there's, there's nothing with DeSantis that you say, he really gets me. Like, I really think he's thinking about me. He's done some good things in mm-hmm. Florida in terms of, uh, you know, liberty and freedom and fighting in some of the culture wars. And with Trump, I get that maybe the revenge tour is a revenge tour for the American people in part. And maybe that's part of why it's not a part. It's a major reason he remains so popular is people feel like they got screwed and he is the, you know, the thing that screwed what happened to him is what screwed them. But I don't think any intellectually honest broker says Trump's really going in there to fight for you this time. Trump's going in there to fight for himself. Mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. you happen to be a beneficiary of that, well, that's, you know, some sort of convenient. That's the way it worked yeah, out. So very convenient and good luck. Good for you. I just... I find largely our candidates for public office these days to be largely uninspiring and not people that the average person would want to gravitate to. Rand Paul went on to say that he is interested in the ideas of some independence, too, and he listed Robert Kennedy Jr. as somebody that he's been meeting with and talking to. Isn't it fascinating, the lure of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? And I know we got to get to a break here, but... And even like somebody Rand Paul meeting with him. I mean, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has a lengthy track record of things in video and audio and print where he is a total leftist maniac on things like the environment and has proposed or supported putting people in jail who don't mm-hmm. agree with the the radical left environmental agenda that he has. And yet it just seems like a whole bunch of people are like, well, that didn't happen or we didn't see that or doesn't matter that he did that. I, it really, really amazes me the amount of otherwise libertarian type people who are all on board with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., or at least mildly supportive of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yep. Rand Paul has yet to make a formal endorsement, so the big announcement this morning from him was who he's not endorsing. We've got Kurt Darling in the news coming up next from 93 WIBC. 
Good morning, 936 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hertz Rental Cars is selling off one-third of their EVs, and they're going to replace them with gas cars. Oh! Yep. Uh, this is driven by higher costs and soft demand. Oh, no, say they're going to sell off. Yeah, they say they're going to sell off 20,000 EVs because the repairs for the EV fleet is too expensive. The EV uh-huh. fleet is made up of mostly Teslas, mm-hmm. and it's been higher than what they expected, and they say this has also been coupled with lower demand. People don't want to rent the EV. You know, it's really interesting how the EV conversation, electric vehicles, and the Bidenomics conversation sort of mirror each other. And what I'm talking about is with Bidenomics, the approach from the Biden administration has not been to pivot or triangulate or make changes. They're simply going to roll into 2024 with, your life is great, you're stupid, you just don't understand it, and what you're thinking is wrong. Mm -hmm. Same thing with this EV obsession where these, the the, the car companies, now a lot of it has been ba- backed up by subsidies from the federal government, certainly, but they have continued to try to ram these EVs down people's throat. Are there some people who want electric ve- vehicles? Yes, certainly. Have Has Tesla, through again, government subsidy, but has Tesla been pretty successful? Yes. However, the idea that everybody wants these, that people are clamoring for these, that people are lined up out the door for these is simply untrue. And we have now been on this electric vehicle thing, originally through hybrids and now straight EVs, for you know 20 plus years. And it is simply just not what many, many Americans want. There are some people who want it. There is a niche market for these things. But no matter how much you try to jam them down people's throats, and this is more evidence, people either A, don't want them, or more likely B, can't afford them. Yeah. And yet we just continue to try to make people try to jam the square peg into a round hole. Here's Senator Josh Halley. He's delivering a uh, knockout punch to Biden's green agenda. Check this out. Let's talk a little bit about who's who is really benefiting from this administration's climate agenda and from these draconian electric vehicle mandates. So, Mr. Turk, you've already alluded to this. I know you know the answer to these questions. Currently, one nation accounts for 60% of the world's electric vehicle production. That nation is? China. Yeah. One nation accounts for 76% of the world's lithium-ion battery production. That nation is? China. Yet your administration, this president's administration, the mandates that you put in place require that two-thirds of our new vehicle sales in just the next eight years, two-thirds of them, be electric vehicles. Your policies are driving us and our supply chains into the hands of our greatest geostrategic enemy, enriching them, enriching their government, while forcing Americans to pay for electric vehicles that on average cost $7,000 more on average (laughs) than a traditional vehicle, are more expensive to repair and insure, require more frequent replacements of of everything from tires to component parts. So, uh, Mr. Turk, why, why is it good for the American worker that we force our supply chains to a country that's our greatest rival and adversary? And why is it good for the American consumer? 
So this is the Biden administration paying China to produce electric cars and then sell them to us. Sure. And again, it is this this green fantasy that is promoted by a radical left part of the Democrat base. It's nonsensical. And uh, he hit on a lot of the big points, which is people don't want them because, A, they're more expensive, Mm -hmm. and, B, they cost a lot more to maintain. The purpose of the car has not really changed since its inception. Get from point A to point B. Now, based on your disposable income, you can have a variety of other purposes of an automobile up to and and including glamour trips and look at me, but the basic premise of the automobile is to get people from point (laughs) A to point B. And Mm -hmm. you want to do that in the most cost-effective way possible Mm -hmm. and that is not through an electric vehicle it is kendall and casey on 93 wibc and yesterday we were talking about how jamie diamond from jp morgan said we're going back to the 70s and guess what we're gonna do it with the help of our good friend brian baker coming up next on 93 wibc Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. My name is Casey. Rob is here. Rob, I saw this story, and it was released by, I believe, People Magazine. And in it, they're reporting that Sally Field is saying that she refused to attend the Oscars with Burt Reynolds. Or rather, Burt Reynolds refused to attend the Oscars with her. Yeah, so you sent me a text message. I saw this pop up. Now, normally when I see your name pop up, I go, oh no, because it's going to be some sort of story Mm -hmm. that I don't actually care about. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at this and I said, well, this is actually pretty interesting because people love celebrities. Mm -hmm. They love celebrity relationship drama. And we had just talked about yesterday how Jamie Dimon, the Chase Bank guy, Mm -hmm. came out and said, we're going back to the 70s. And you astutely said, this would check all of those boxes. Right. This is from that era. So let's talk about this. But the thing is, Rob, you and I are not Burt Reynolds experts. No. How many Burt Reynolds experts do you think are in the world? Like probably less than 100 people you would say are certifiable Burt Reynolds Mm -hmm. experts. And luckily- Here at this radio show, we have not only a person who is a certifiable Burt Reynolds expert, he may be just certifiable, period, our good friend Brian Baker. (laughs) Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Rob. And thank you for having me on to discuss this most important and critical issue of our time. (laughs) That's right. All right. It is the most important uh, story we're going to discuss today. So 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 what's the deal here? Brian, can you just high level tell us, it appears Sally Field may have told a fib right about this relationship with Burt Reynolds and what took place. Yeah, the uh, flying nun speaking ill of the dead once again. She does this every few years or so, but she's really just been on a tear ever since Bert actually passed away and is no longer here to defend himself. But I was driving back from uh, a beautiful uh, Griffin, Georgia, last night when I got Casey's text about this because I hadn't heard, Rob. This was the first I heard uh, about it was from Casey. And I thought, 
Oh, yeah, I know this old story. This is uh, the one about why uh, why Burt didn't go to the Emmys when she was nominated for Sybil. No, no, this is this is new stuff. This is her claiming that he refused to go with her to the Oscars. He was being a big jerk about it and was telling her, oh, yeah, you know, you're not going to win. And I thought to myself, well, gosh, here's old Sal speaking her truth. And, I, you know, what, what are we going to do here? You know, certainly someone would have noticed when they went to the Oscars and uh, since their relationship was – was big news back in that time. They were the Brad and Angelina of their right. time. Surely a reporter would have asked her, hey, how come Bert didn't go with you to the Oscars? If only we had a clip of her addressing that issue, being asked that very question, and oh my golly, look, we have that clip. Uh, would you mind rolling that for me? This was around the time that their relationship had started to fall apart and Sally was not afraid to go public with her feelings. I got mad at him for various and sundry reasons. It was, a, it was very bad timing, but I've never been a person that looks back and says, isn't a good time to be mad at somebody and I'll wait till later. I mean, I just simply threw the dishes, packed my bag and left. That's about it. And I didn't ask him to come to the Oscars with me. I didn't want him to go, not because I wanted it to be my night. I just was like a high school kid. I don't want to go with you. You started it, Bert. Now, I wasn't going to do this. Well, Brian, that clip certainly appears to be in a bit of contrast from what we're hearing today. Well, glad I could clear everything up, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so Brian Baker is our guest uh, here on the Kendall and Casey Show. We're talking about this never-ending drama that has been going on for many, many years now involving Sally Field and Burt Reynolds and uh, why he didn't attend the Oscars with her. How long has this been now? What, like, When was this that we're talking about? I think it's around 1980. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the question becomes, you know, okay, well, what were they fighting about that she references there? And, and, you know, uh, why is she taking the opportunity now to start slinging mud? Why is is this the time that she's speaking out about all this stuff? And I think, uh, you know, you've ever been in one of those relationships, Rob? I've, I've had one or two of them myself, although they were marriages, where things kind of fall apart. And then years later, people have varying accounts of what actually went wrong and right. who did what. And, you know, it's rarely ever just 100% one person's fault. And both Sally and Bert have talked extensively about the relationship. Not a healthy relationship, lots of fighting, you know, two very immature people with massive egos that that had a lot of issues that they carried over from their childhoods. But I think maybe uh, as time has gone on, Bert has sort of grown into this huge legend and this icon, and he really had this resurgence in popularity in the last few years. And Every time Sally Field goes out and does an interview, people want to ask her about Burt Reynolds. And heck, they've been, you know, they broke up in like 82, I think. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that has to get a little bit annoying. But also, she's clearly got some things. If if you're showing the interviews that she gave when her book came out that she wrote a couple of years ago, she talked a lot about growing up in an abusive child, uh, an abusive home, and talked about her relationship with Burt and various dynamics with that. And and she actually gives an account of, um, of, Bert not going with her to the Emmys in her book, uh, when she was norm- nominated for Civil, uh, a made-for-TV movie where it's played a lady with multiple personalities. And and Bert talks about that in his book, too, and the two of them give completely different accounts of what happened. Uh, Sally gives this claim that, well, Bert refused to go with her, and he wouldn't take her and wouldn't, wouldn't give her time off from the movie they were working on at the time. And Bert tells the story that 
Sally was uh, vacillating back and forth about whether or not to go because she hates to lose and she's a poor loser. And, uh, you know, where's the truth? Somewhere probably in the middle. I'm not saying that Bert wasn't an egomaniac at the height of his fame and that he didn't have his issues and he couldn't be a major pain in the butt and a real jerk at times. But, you know, like, isn't, what, 40 years? Isn't it time to just sort of let bygones be bygones? And, let it you know, go! I, I, I know Casey's got a question here. I just want to say Brian Baker's our guest. We're talking about this new account that's come out from Sally Field about why Burt Reynolds didn't go to the Oscars with her many, many, many years ago. Casey, go ahead. Yeah, so years ago, the clip we played, she's saying that she didn't want Burt to go with him. And now there's this new book coming out called 50 Oscar Nights. And in the book, Sally Field is telling the author that Burt Reynolds wasn't happy with all the attention she was receiving. And so he didn't want to go with her. And she actually won the Oscar for her performance in Norma Ray. But Brian, do you think this is a situation where history seems to change with reflection for a lot of people? Is that the situation that Sally Field is in today? <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, there's probably some of that. You remember things differently as time goes on and the brain ages. Look what's happening to Joe Biden. But I think there's also there's probably a desire by her. She caught a lot of heat and, and never really just took it in good fun when she won her second Oscar in the hole. But you like me. You really like me. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure she was dreading doing this interview because undoubtedly they probably were going to ask her about that. And I don't know, maybe she wanted to focus on something else or, you know, I don't know, maybe they caught her on a bad day. If you read uh, books and other accounts of uh, the relationship between Bert and Sally, which any good red-blooded American should spend a great deal uh, of time doing, invest your time, invest your money in that. <laughs> I've read books uh, from this guy, including uh, Hank Moonbeam, uh, Moonbeam, rather, who was a producer and did all of the uh, the big uh, Hal and Burt films in the 70s and the 80s. And he talks about having to deal with her and just what a nightmare she was on set and how unpleasant she was. So, you know, everybody's got their own, their own truth and their own version of what happened. And I just wish she'd just shut up about it. You know, the guy's gone. <laughs> Let him rest in peace. Let's move on. Uh, hey, Brian, there's something else that I wanted to ask you about because we're talking things of the 70s era. And this also came out yesterday, and I'm actually surprising Rob with this topic, oh. that the fruit stripe gum oh, no. is no longer oh. going to be produced. The owner has said that they are going to discontinue this gum. Any thoughts on that? I never liked it. Oh, you kidding? It breaks my heart. Fruit Stripe gum is unquestionably the most delicious gum that you can possibly use <laughs> for the first 10 seconds that it's in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. After that, it becomes completely flavorless, and it's like chewing on silly putty. Hey, are you back to work yet? The strike is over. I see all the ads from the Hollywood people saying they're glad to be back on TV and we're coming back soon. Are you Are you back to cashing checks? No, you know what? It's really slow down here in Georgia. There's a few projects going on, but it's been really, really slow. Um, the studios and the streamers, uh, they're spending a lot less money. And, um, you know, I, I've talked to a few of my buddies that are like the big wicks in the stunt business, and they're starting to get back to work. But for the most part, everybody's kind of still on the beach waiting for things to ramp back up again. So, no, it, it's, still, uh, it's still a little slow down here for everyone. Well, if, uh, if there's anybody that we would uh, look forward to see being thrown off a tall building, it's you, Brian, and we hope you're back to that sort of gainful employment very soon. Brian Baker, you're the best. Thank you. 
Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, and congrats with the success of the show. Yep, you're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.